Welcome to the Sheila Palmer Extractive Podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Komoso Chaka. Komoso is a seasoned mining executive with 21 years work experience in diamond mining, platinum, coal, and the gold sector. She's an active board member and mentor of others. Komoso is currently working for Anglo Gold Ashanti as part of the sustainability team focusing on mining legacies and social closure. Komoso, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you very much uh, for that welcome. Thank you. So I wanted just to start at the top. Can you please describe for us what we mean when we say project decommissioning in mining terms? So mine decommissioning is a key part of a mine, uh, the mine closure process. Um, this is the process of taking mining infrastructure out of active service at the end of its use for mineral production and, in, and um, includes its removal or demolition of infrastructure that is not required um, post um, mining use. Um, we call this the mine closure phase in terms of the mine life cycle and uh, where we implement the final mine closure plan from cessation of operations, dismantling and rehabilitating um, the area in which uh, the mine um, was situated to a point where um, the site is largely limited to monitoring and maintenance. And um, I think of great importance in this process is the health and safety considerations and attention that uh, we give to the environment to ensure that uh, when we look back, we say we have had a successful project. Um, for example, you know, we, in, in mining and sites, there's often a flammable or contaminated atmosphere and decommissioning the site can eradicate this risk. It allows the land in which, um, on which the infrastructure is, is, is um, set to be used or repurposed for future projects as well. Hmm. Um, I think one of importance is that um, one should be mindful of um, the regulatory legislation that guides and, and governs um, how we manage a decommissioning process in mining. In South Africa, for instance, instance, we've got the NEMA Act, the National Environmental Management Act, which aims to provide for cooperative and environmental governance. Um, it gives guiding principles on how to manage um, certain aspect of, of the mine and, and ensuring that the environmental management plan is sound. Sure. So within the big uh, concept of decommissioning. Uh, what do we mean then by mining legacies and social closure? So mining legacies um, are really what um, was brought to bear by the historical experience that we've had post mine closure, various uh, mine sites were either left unrehabilitated, um, there was no proper process followed to make sure that uh, the mine site is safe and secure and uh, it does not um, leave an element of risk for communities. So with mining legacies, um, it's really looking at some of these old practices and looking at how um, we can, um, in the present um, 
tense, we can address them, rehabilitate appropriately, and ensure that um, the footprint of um, the mine uh, that is left behind is at a level which is um, leaves the community, which leaves the community in a secure, uh, risk-free environment, um, where the company can pride itself that for having been there or being in that particular community, it has um, left a, the community better off than what it was when it arrived. And um, it is a thriving community. Um, there is aspects of um, you know, a, a, an economic that is somewhat thriving and maintaining the community. And we are not leaving what is historically known as um, ghost towns in areas that we've operated in. So it's really a, a social a social construct to, to, to ensure that the communities are left in a better uh, condition than um, when we when we found them. And um, secondly, in terms of social closure, it's a process, it's um, a transitional process or a defined plan that a mine would put in place that uh, specifically addresses aspects or in projects and uh, processes uh, um, that um, will be followed to address some of these factors to ensure that there's a, a thriving um, legacy left behind post mine closure. So is it correct then, Professor, to say that the importance of decommissioning mining operations uh, when we take account of impact on community is really about uh, focusing on arriving at the right legacy? Is, is that what we are looking at, to be able to look uh, in future, in the past and say we did the right thing, this community is better off because we are here. Is that really what makes uh, the, the social construct as you speak about is so important in uh, when we decommission mines? Yes, that, that is exactly it. And it, it's really um, ensuring that um, we as a mine have not contributed adversely to that community. Um, we know that at decommissioning, there are other social, socio-economic factors that come into play. For instance, retrenchment happens, um, you know, in large numbers, and we want to have to be responsible in managing that process and making sure that there is um, some form of sec secondary or an alternative economy that is then left behind for communities to continue to thrive. And, and talking about second uh, second economies, that could be a initiative or a project that is defined and the scale and scope of which um, is, is, is determined as a collective with government, with communities to say, um, this is what we believe as a ecosystem um, that this will be what will be useful for us beyond uh, life of mine. And um, it also talks about creating initiatives that um, ensure that there's a dependency away from mining. You know, historically we've had mines that uh, become, um, and uh, uh, there's a term that is used, they become, the mine becomes the municipality 
The mine uh, provides water, electricity, and everything to the community. And the moment uh, the, the, um, we come to closure, um, the lights are switched off, the water is turned off, the community is left in, in a desperate situation. By leaving a legacy, we don't want that scenario to be relived because there's too many of those instances that are very real historically that we know the consequences of that have led to really um, adverse socioeconomic factors in, in, in certain communities. So by creating a legacy, you are ensuring that you are building as opposed to being destructive in a community. Hmm. So, uh, you know, a, a part of why we're having this conversation about impacts and relationships with communities is because we are looking at the social aspect of ESG. And I, I wanted to ask you then, as you, uh, you know, design this new social and economic construct, how does the ESG principle and the standards uh, for best practice socially uh, fit into the work you do? So the ESG, which is environmental, social and governance um, um, aspects fit hand in glove in the work that I do. Um, we, uh, we know that, you know, lately in the last, say, maybe five years, recently, there has been a big push towards the ESG principles and standards um, really around um, the performance of investment portfolios and to a varying degrees across companies and sectors and regions, you know, how are companies performing in terms of the ESGs? Um, it's recognized as a way of ensuring that we move from a space of promising to do things for communities to a point where there's action. Uh, mining companies um, are now, you know, and should be set up to respond to ESG opportunities and challenges and risks that are within the environment in which they operate. This supports um, their social license to operate to a large extent. Um, by um, addressing this, it requires mines to have operating models that facilitate accountability, visibility, and maybe close collaboration between um, external parties like your, um, your host governments, as well as internally to organizations between departments to ensure that there's clear um, adherence to um, the operating model and um, clear governance structures that manage and ensure that there's clear accountability um, um, towards delivery of the ESGs. And I think there's enough of guidelines in, 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 in terms of um, various institutions such as the UN Global Compact, the UN Environmental Program, which um, have put together certain strategies in this instance, I, I think back in 2020, in around April, there was an EU Green Deal um, that highlights how investor priorities should be fashioned uh, with the ESG principles infused into, into, into that deal. And, and it was largely to guide investors um, to have the duty to act in the best long-term interest of um, beneficiaries or communities in areas where they invest. And, um, in doing so, um, it gave a, you know, an elevated um, fiduciary role on uh, on ESGs um, to ensure that there's a growing 
integration of these commitments within um, business functions. Yes, I think the, the trigger at that point was the impact largely to um, climate change. But when you look at it holistically, uh, beyond the fact that there's a, a, a fundamental issue which is threatening our future on climate change, um, communities need to exist and they need to be in an environment that is um, healthy and conducive enough to allow them to thrive and uh, to be better citizens uh, at that. So many companies over the recent five years or so have set ambitious ESG targets, um, and, uh, but the challenge has been how do you then move from that point of being intentional and acting and actually ensuring that you perform against those. So ESG is cornerstone to the way um, mining operations work and uh, as well as in the space of decommissioning um, more than that, really throughout the life cycle of a mine, um, it's important to have present of mind of all these ESG aspects in every um, you know um, work that we, we we roll out as a business. Hmm. So you know we we've spoken about impact on communities, and this impact range from those that are economic and those that are with respect yeah. to the physical environment and those that are social. I wanted to, to disaggregate this impact and take one of those at a time and see if you okay. can shed some light onto that. So starting with the economic, what are some of the specific environmental uh, impacts uh, in, in the economic sense? And then we can come to the environmental and social. Okay, so um, the and the economic aspects in the environmental space? Yes, in other words, uh, if we think about uh, the impact that the mine can have on people, it can either be an economic impact or it can be yes, one that okay. is based on the physical environment or social. And I'd like you to give us a sense of what are some of the economic impacts that the mining footprint can have on the social environment? Okay, so we know that um, mines are a, a large um, employer in most instances um, in communities. Um, during its operational phase, that's where um, the economy or households um, derive their economic benefits. Um, and um, during that time, you know, the either head of the family, and historically, we used to have a scenario where um, the head of the family becomes a, 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 an employee and um, at a point maybe if they go um, to retire, the, you know, somebody else from their family replaces them, so to speak. And there was that continued relationship between a family or a household with a particular mind. Um, but I think the key aspect here from an economic benefit is the um, source of labor from communities, the economic benefit through the salaries that um, co uh, um, communities um, get from, from the mine. That creates that economic upswing in the community because there's, um, there's a flow of um, money through salaries to be able to contain and maintain the households in a particular area. Um, and that's why, you know, as a consequence of decommissioning, we need to be very careful in how we manage 
the gradual, gradual labor retrenchment associated with mine closure um, when it happens, because it has a huge impact in how the setup of not just the family, uh, the household unit, but the, the, the local economy uh, as such. Um, we also see that uh, where mines set up, there's a convergence of um, people from outside of that area to come and uh, work within the mine that creates um, an upswing in terms of other demands economically like housing. Um, uh, the mines normally do provide accommodation and, 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 and that enables people to have um, housing. Um, there is also an element of through this process of migration, um, various local um, entrepreneurs emerging in the community and also creating another um, aspect of economic um, uh, activity within the area. Um, mining companies and uh, their employees uh, create a space where there is exchange of supply and demand of resources of um, economic activity at that point in time. Um, I think what also um, is important is that um, during this time, um, because we are talking about decommissioning, Sheila, I'd like to also touch on um, the importance of throughout the life of mine, life cycle of mine, as much as we are focused on the decommissioning, but it's important and it's, it's, it's a hindsight kind of um, thing when having uh, had experience in implementing social and labor plans, mining companies investing heavily in, in um, social and labor plans in communities. And at the end of life of mine, you, um, you, when you look back, it seemed that that huge investment that um, uh, was put in communities over time um, has somehow dwindled or does not amount to much. Um, but if consciously now as part of the intent and action, there is a will to create secondary economies in these uh, communities along with um, the operational plan, it goes a long way in creating um, future legacies for communities and ensuring that um, there's continuous job creation, continuous promotion of entrepreneurship, new industries sprouting. Um, and, uh, you know, recently there's, there's a new buzzword in town around the secular economy. Within that framework, it focuses on aspects that bring a lot of innovative thinking around how we eliminate waste and pollution, keeping products and materials in use, regenerating natural systems within a community. This also opens up huge opportunities in the operating mines um, to free up some of, um, through their global supply chain, some, some of the initi initiatives or opportunities that could flow into these um, examples of economies that in itself uh, creates a dependency away from mining earlier on before you get to a decommissioning um, phase. And, and, and it sort of allows the community to have that continuous economic um, run, runway and beyond uh, life of mine. So yeah, it's interesting because of course, we think of, as you rightly said, employment, which is important, uh, yeah. and uh, the opportunities for business, 
during the life of man. But the point you make about the secular economy and the potential for that to offer new opportunities that actually dovetail uh, the end of life because they themselves speak to completely new uh, economic processes and demands of completely new forms of services that are yes. in effect aligned to the continuum where we basically regenerate that economy. Because I think most people forget that in a mining, when you talk about the mining footprint, actually this economic ecosystem is a big part of mm -hmm. uh, that mining footprint. And, and sustainability is really about sustaining it beyond the life of mine and finding new uh, you know, innovative ways of sustainably sustaining, pardon the phrase, uh, that livelihood. But let me come yes. back to, to the social. Now, yes. um, when we think about then the social environment, what are some of the specific matters that we would address uh, strictly in the social context when we want to avoid this undesirable legacy and mind closer practices that uh, your job is uh, concerned with? Yeah, so in, in, in the decommissioning phase, you know, once we um, break down the infrastructure or demolish or, um, you know, remove the, uh, some of that and, and in, in a bit to reduce the footprint. There are um, factors like such as um, buildings or infrastructure that could be repurposed for different use. It could um, be in partnership with government, for instance, some of the buildings, because you know, mining uh, companies um, historically built really good infrastructure, could be repurposed and um, donated to um, local government um, or other institutions, academic institutions to be used um, for um, other purposes. Um, we could look at um, the aspect of land, of course, once it's been rehabilitated and look at, um, you know, a mixed use kind of um, project, be it a, a housing development that is uh, dovetailed with some um, com concept of a, a shopping mall or something that creates an economic a hub in within that area and again again i mean I'm, I'm very wary of giving specific examples because each area is unique in its own right and one needs to look at the urban uh, development plans in that area work together with the municipality and maybe national or local uh, uh, provincial government to determine what are the you know future developments that are required for that particular area. And then you, the mind can then look at how collaboratively do we partner with government to be able to design concepts that are unique and specific and respond to a particular particular area in terms of um, uh, what, what it will need post um, life of mine. And um, around issues of um, land, there is also, um, you know, once, for instance, we have um, done rehabilitation, um, the land is cleaned up and um, there can be initiatives 
in partnership again with other institutions, organizations such as the National Research Foundation and academic institutions such as UCT. I know for sure they would definitely that they've looked at a bamboo and hemp production project, which enables to the cleaning up of the land, but not only that, the um, production of these um, um, this, uh, plants, bamboo and, and hemp, allows for secondary or alternative economies to sprout. Hemp is used in very um, multiple um, um, uses, for instance, in medicinal, it can be used, it's, part of it can be used in, in furniture, part of it can be used in um, other, uh, other um other initiatives. So it, it allows various entrepreneurial initiatives to, to come into the fore. But the appreciation there is some of it you cannot do alone. You have to seek partnerships and collaboration to have a, a really um, sound project that has a long-term sustainability aspect to it, that um, has got players that are unique in terms of, of informing the inputs and outputs of, of how that um, will be fashioned. Um, beyond that, I spoke to a social transitioning plan, which, um, you know, in some instances is it's in retrospect, which is not ideal because you're playing that catch-up game and it does not allow enough engagement with communities to identify what um, would be suitable in, in terms of their, their area. But in infusing your social transition plan as part of your mine um, activity, operating activity, uh, allows you to, number one, financially plan for it um, in your cost estimates uh, or your budgeting process for decommissioning. It allows you to be able to have a reiterative process as and when um, the nature of issues or dynamics in the communities change. Um, so when you have that transition plan, it looks at specific programs, development programs that can be in, uh, embedded in the community. This could be um, initiatives around agriculture, look at initiatives around ensuring that maybe there's schools or other infrastructure in, the, in, in, in that particular community. It's, it's a much more holistic approach to ensuring that there's alignment and collaboration with government, with communities and other regional agencies that might be there to ensure that um, everybody that is impacted and affected by the mine has an appreciation of what is to come beyond life of mine, uh, as opposed to the fear of there's going to be retrenchment, there's going to be um, you know, loss of um, economic benefit, and, and, and then this push towards um, you know, um, protesting at the mine door and mine gate, making demands or feeling that the mine has actually not um, benefited the community. So that forward-looking planning is more important. Um, other initiatives that could be looked to around skills development and training to capacitate community new skills that are uh, new skills that are not mining specific, but ensure future employability in other industries. And those industries could be directly related to what initiatives have been defined within that social transition plan. Um, 
and again, I, today, you know, the whole push around renewables, um, the um, net zero impact or effect uh, um, that mining companies have, and the whole theme around climate change brings another dimension of opportunities creating low carbon um, um, projects that um, can contribute towards the renewable energy space. And there's a huge push around the, the conversations around the just transition, what can be done. Um, companies are now defining their climate change strategies that talk specifically to what initiatives they could do within their own spaces to respond to that. Um, we've in the last year or two years, there's been a huge push around decarbonization, which is critical and important. Um, and um, it allows space for that, I keep saying innovative thinking, but it also creates new economies that can enable um, communities to have um, some space to play um, in that space. Mm. So two things that I think are really important to what you said, your emphasis on partnerships, because I think what it does is it uh, avoids the risk that mining uh, companies become the government and all yeah. things to all people, but more to the point that there's no continuity post uh, the mining uh, stage. The other uh, is uh, the way of using what is traditionally mining infrastructure because some people might not know that you know especially for big mines some of them are whole towns in their own right with their own schools from elementary preschool elementary to high school and some have hospitals that are better than city hospitals and so Absolutely. uh you know you don't want that kind of infrastructure including airports and rail to go to waste just because uh, the mining has ceased. And so the, to the extent way in advance, governments and municipal administrators can partner to take over this industry, this uh, infrastructure, not only does it save in public expenditure, the truth of the matter is, it is through that, that those same economic activities that saved uh, the community can continue. But here is my last question to you in the few minutes that are remaining. I mean, we know that, you know, even with the best will in the world, we cannot ever restore the minds to what they are. In your statement, yes. you understand you to be saying, the goal is not to restore. The goal is to say, now that we have this new social and physical environmental construct, uh, what is it? What kind of economies can best thrive? Is that one of the answers you are trying to uh, respond to in very brief uh, response, Komuto? Yes, absolutely. It's it's really creating a dependency away from mining. I would term it as such. And by doing that, it's creating alternative economies that would enable um, communities to then come in and play a part there and, and continue to thrive. So absolutely, uh, and that's why for me, the, the themes around uh, what's possible around um, the secular economy, what's possible around creating secondary economies where you look at various products and look at what are their spin-offs 
uh, that could potentially bring a, a, a new industries into communities to create job, jobs and to ensure that um, there is, um, you know, economic um, activity within those communities. That is critical. Um, it's important that we appreciate that the way we've done mining before has not bode well for communities. It has not done a, a bit of uh, good for anybody uh, in the long run um, from a socioeconomic uh, impact point of view. There is a lot that we have done in the past, say 20 years to try and reverse that. And uh, there's still a lot more to be done because um, the, the nature of these ecosystems in, uh, uh, where communities exist is that they, the, the, there's new dynamics coming in. The, the communities change the, the, the social license to operate that mines are expected to operate within, create new dimensions uh, that have forced us to think out of the box in how we bring social um, development or social initiatives into, into communities um, and to ensure that um, when we do eventually leave that community, it's not a destitute community. Um, we should not do it alone. I think there is such power in either regional collaboration, but the, collab the impact and effect of collaboration is critical because you get um, a mess, you, you, you create that mess um, of you know, resources, uh, you're pulling resources, you're pulling finance, you're pulling um, know-how or skills, you're pulling partnership that creates a long-term sustainability for that particular community. And I would promote um, that minds look to a collaborative approach in most instances, uh, when it comes to aspects of ESG. In most instances, we do talk to the same stakeholders who present the same um, demands to, um, to, the, to the mines, especially if you are in the same area um, or provincial um, demarcation. Um, it's the same stakeholders, same players, um, and the demands are the same or similar. And um, there is merit in coming together to uh, create uh, huge, impactful projects that can have a lasting and long um, sustainability, long-term sustainability effect on communities. And um, I think that would be my, my, my parting shot to say, we need to collaborate more as mining companies to be more effective in what we do. I couldn't agree with you more, Komoto. And uh, thank you once again for joining the Sheila Kama Extracted podcast. I enjoyed listening to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation.